Well, it was a compelling game. It was a compelling game between France and Belgium. Maybe not quite as open as some people had expected, but wherever you look, there was a great player. And I must say, in Kylian Mbappe, I think we possibly saw a guy who might be ready to step up as the next world's best. You know, if Messi and Ronaldo are starting to, to uh, disappear gradually, uh, he might be the next one. He, I thought, showed such power and strength um, and, and such skill. And maybe, maybe France think they have their name on the trophy, though those are words that get stuck in the throat of an Englishman right now. <laughs> <laughs> I bet. We'll talk about England in a second. Uh, with so many great players on both sides, what gave France the edge today? Uh, truthfully, it, it's hard to argue that they necessarily had the edge, Jason. You know, I, it, it was a game that was won in a moment. Um, it, it could easily have gone either way. Um, Titi won that hit, terrific header. And <laughs> I noticed that the television director, whoever he was, was in no doubt um, just by looking at the pictures that he found uh, Marouan Fellaini of Belgium guilty of, uh, of letting his man go. And uh, Titi came up with that header. And that was the moment that won the game. And, you know, when you're dealing in any sport with two high-quality teams, it is often one at the margin and in the moment. Uh, I, I don't for one moment believe that France are necessarily better than Belgium per se, but um, they got the goal and that's it. I want to talk about England in a sec, but uh, whoever gets through, England or Croatia, would you consider them to be pretty heavy underdogs against this French side in the final? Yeah, well, I, I think, I don't know about heavy, but I think... Whoever wins the other semi-final, I agree with you. I think France will be the favourites. I mean, Croatia, uh, I know you want to come on to this, so I, I mustn't go on too long, but uh, Croatia have some super players and England have um, a team that is really growing into itself. But France looked like a mature team on the whole, decorated by one or two really super young players. I've already mentioned Mbappe. Uh, I think France will probably feel they have the potential match winners, whoever they face in the final. Yeah, they're, they're a good team. Let's talk about England. What is different about this England team, Peter? Well, truthfully, I just think they have been magnificently managed. I really do. You in New Zealand, and I, and I don't pretend to have any sort of expertise on this, you understand what the national shirt means. And, and in your case, of course, I'm talking about the All Blacks. If the All Blacks lose a couple of games, I, I know for you it's a sort of national crisis. <laughs> yeah. and, and so and, unless, unless that team plays well, it is under a lot of pressure. And, and badly managed, that black shirt of yours weighs heavy. Well, the English football shirt has weighed heavy for the best part of well, for half a century and more. And Gareth Southgate has found a way to take the weight off that shirt. Um, he's got together a young group of players who are without baggage. He's treated them like adults. He's made them more likable to the English sporting public. And he has allowed them to express themselves a little bit. He's taken pressure off them. He's just let them, rather than coming into an international get-together with fear, 
he's allowed them to find a way of enjoying playing for England. Uh, and the planets have sort of aligned for him up to now. Listen, they could lose the semi-final. They could lose. It's, it's a game on the toss of a coin. They could lose. But even if they lose, Gareth Southgate has succeeded with this young group of players in giving the English nation its football team back and, and a sense of genuine pride in it. Yeah, the key word is is team, isn't it? And, and within that team ethos that, that Gareth Southgate has so cleverly and effectively created, are there still key men? Is it still Harry Kane or, or others who, who, uh, who might stand up in those key moments tomorrow? Yeah, well, the, the, you're right to identify Harry Kane, of course, because you could only win a football match if you score a goal. And Harry Kane scores goals. But it, he, it does go beyond him. You know, he, he, at the other end of the field, he has a young goalkeeper who people weren't sure about. But Jordan Pickford has, has simply proved him right. He has these big centre-halves, in particular Harry Maguire, who doesn't play for Manchester United or Liverpool or one of the really fancy-down clubs. He plays for Leicester. And, and he's just a guy who has grown into his England shirt so quickly because he's been, he's been given the opportunity to do so. And, and Jordan Henderson of, of Liverpool, who plays the sort of unglamorous role in midfield, the ball winner, the, the labourer, if you like, has proved to be such a good leader as well. He's not the captain of the team, but he's someone who, by his example and just by the, the manner in which he goes about his work, his, his sort of personal comportment, he, he's just someone the team can rally around. Um, and the team is full of these admirable individuals, you know, not necessarily glamorous guys, not necessarily in the mould of the millionaire Premier League footballer, but someone who's prepared to roll up their sleeve and, uh, and get the work done. And, and that has appealed to the English nation. It's been a brilliant World Cup. Hasn't it, Peter? How does it compare to others you've seen and worked at? Uh, Jason, I think it has been a terrific World Cup. It's, it's the sixth World Cup I've worked at, and I think it might be the best, truthfully. It's it had so many things going its way. In a sense, it was done a favour by some of the ominous predictions for it. So many people, certainly in the UK and perhaps around the world, expected the worst. But Russia's hospitality has been magnificent. The people, wherever you've gone, have been so friendly. The football matches, on the whole, have been terrific. I mean, everything has had a narrative, had a point of interest, kept us, kept us gripped. And, of course, Russia succeeding to the point that they did really helps. Again, regardless of sport, you understand this. Um, when the host nation is happy, on the whole, the tournament is happy. And, and the tournament, the World Cup with which I would draw a parallel, for those who remember it, was in uh, 2002 when I was fortunate enough to be in, in Seoul, in South Korea, for a lot of that competition. And South Korea kept winning <laughs> against the odds. And the atmosphere in that capital city then was absolutely sensational. My goodness me, I had some good nights out in Seoul. Um, and there, there, was a, there was just a happy vibe. And precisely the same thing has happened uh, with Russia this time. It's just been a, a glorious 
celebration of humanity, actually. It, it's been terrific. Peter, we love hearing your voice coming through our television sets and describing the action for us and enhancing the action for us. How do you prepare for your commentaries? Well, it's <laughs> Jason, first of all, it's a very kind thing uh, for you to say that. It, it's, I, I simply uh, begin doing my homework as soon as I reasonably can, as soon as I, I have my roster. I, I did... Uh, probably a, a week or 10 days at my desk before leaving England in the in sort of the first half of June. Um, and thereafter, it's just a case of topping up that homework and um, having as much biographical detail as is reasonable and uh, understanding the history of the fixture. And then in the moments, uh, well, actually, crucially, working on the identification of players, which at a World Cup is, is very key, because very often you're dealing with, with players who aren't as, as familiar as the regular Premier League week-by-week work that we do. But, um, and then in the, in the last hours leading up to a game, thinking closely about how you're going to articulate it, how all of that information can best be used, because I, I know that uh, your listeners would agree and, and listeners and viewers all over the world would agree that information for its own sake can be horrendously boring. <laughs> and, uh, and needs to be used sparingly and at the right time. And uh, it, it's, it's uh, a case of, of working out how best to tell the story, because that essentially is what commentating is. It is telling a story. Um, and fortunately, at this World Cup, we've had some really lovely stories to tell. And in your career, you've had some wonderful stories to tell, and the lines you've, you've found somehow to uh, to to deliver, you know, at those crucial moments have been, have been and have become iconic. Are they, are they off the cuff? Are they prepared partially? I mean, lift the curtain for us here, Peter. Are you, you know, are you ready to go with some of those iconic lines you've delivered? Well, the, the thing is with lines like that, generally speaking, the best ones are off the cuff. Um, you know, I think any commentator would lie if he didn't, um, or if, if he claimed he didn't give it a little bit of thought, what if, what if, what would I say if? But truth be told, the really great moments, um, you, you can't prepare because the, the best stories in sport are the ones that occur contrary to all expectation. So, you know, I could sit, I could sit down tonight and think of what I might say if, England scored a winning goal tomorrow night, I could. But the truth is, when that moment comes, it'll be in a context slightly different to the one that I might have, uh, as it were, preordained. So you have to be very, very careful about thinking in advance about what you're going to say, because it might not quite fit the moment, if you see what I'm saying. So... Um, I, I remember, and, and, and maybe this is one you're referring to, not that I've flattered myself, but when, when Manchester City scored their very famous goal to win the Premier League in the, in the last second of stoppage time and all of that, Sergio Aguero scored a goal. And the night before that game, I had indeed sort of thought of lines, I might say, when Manchester City won the Premier League that day. But when the moment arrived, I certainly did not refer to it at all because what I prepared was nowhere near suitable for a, for a moment of that magnitude. So, 
you can think and you'd be silly not to prepare. You know, you, you, you've got to be ready to the extent that you can. Um, but it's very important not to be locked into that preparation. Otherwise, you might miss the moment rather than hitting it. I've got one final question for you, Peter, and, and you've been very generous with your time. Thank you very much. When you watch a game of football, uh, you know, at, at a ground uh, or uh, from your couch or, or somewhere else, just as a fan, are you able to watch just as a fan or do you, do you find yourself commentating in your head? <laughs> it's a very good question. It's, it's, uh, I, I can watch as a fan and I watch with my sons and, and all of that sort of thing. The, the only thing I would say that having done this job for so long, has has demanded of me is um, a need to know who's got the ball. You know, if <laughs> if if I if I'm watching and um, I don't know the identity of a player, I feel insecure. <laughs> and I I have um, I have a season ticket. I, it, it it might be wrong to sort of admit this sort of thing, but I, I and my family have season tickets at a, a small Premier League club you will have heard of, but not many of your listeners will support, called Watford, um, who once in a while have a glorious moment and beat one of the big boys and, and then sort of bumble along doing nobody any harm at all. But when, when we're watching Watford, I have to have the match programme in my hand so that I can always know the identity of the players on the other side. Um, which makes me a bit sad, really, because I can't relax into the occasion. <laughs> but uh, there you are. That's, that's the way it is. But no, listen, I like watching sport. I, like, I love watching football, but uh, I, I love relaxing and watching sport with my family, just like every other sports lover um, does all over the world, whatever your sport may be. And uh, I'm just lucky that I watch a lot of that sport for a living. So uh, I count my blessings every day. Peter, it's been wonderful to uh, have the chance to chat to you on Radio Sport in New Zealand. I know our listeners would have enjoyed it very, very much indeed. Thank you for taking the time. All the best for the rest of the tournament and, uh, and I look forward to catching up again sometime. Jason, really, really good to talk to you. I've, I've thoroughly enjoyed our chat. Thank you.